Um, and Ethan Hawke is the guy with the mask. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and he's doing a Joker impression. The entire oh, time. The, like you say Joker impression. Which one? The uh, the Heath Ledger or oh, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix one? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't say the other one's name on on the podcast anymore. It's been <laughs> retired. Well, that's not enough to pull from with that one. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, his mask did not say that he was damaged, but you could tell. You could tell. Oh, yeah. I got you. Know? you. I got you. Yeah, oh, you okay. That was that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, welcome to MCU Beyond Infinity, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow sloth, Baby Travis, to break down the fourth episode of Marvel's newest Disney Plus series, Miss Marvel, entitled Seeing Red. Despite there being a lot going on in Miss Marvel's episode four, we still don't learn a whole lot more than we did last week. This is kind of par for the course with these Disney Plus Marvel series, which almost always spin their narrative wheels in favor of some rote action and character development in their fourth installments. And you know what? I'm not too mad about it this week. I was genuinely pleased to be spending more time with Kamala, her mother, and her grandmother for the better part of an hour before Carmela before <laughs> God damn it, gets a shot at a real life driver's head in a fun chase sequence. Happily uh, light on a parkour roof jumping here, Travis, as well as a dope display of her new power set at work. Plus, I'm pretty sure that episode five will be delving hard into the story's resolution as it looks like we'll be seeing what really happened to Aisha during partition without the aid of flashbacks, which is likely a good move if the series doesn't completely undersell the horrifying nature of this tale it's telling. So, Travis, even though I completely flubbed the intro, before the series began, we had some mixed emotions and reactions on Carmela's... uh, God damn it, I did it again. Uh, Kamala's... That's your uh, symbiote now. I'm losing... Yeah, this is my symbiote, yeah. Uh, We we had some mixed reactions on the power change and how it looked visually as well as play out story-wise, but I thought it looked really cool and was particularly interesting and, like, different aesthetically in comparison to other, what I'll call, super blasty superheroes so far. Yeah, yeah, like, there's not been... I do like whenever she just punches things and everything, but they've had her use the feet part in more interesting ways too. Like she does a monkey flip with them later in the episode, and it's neat. Uh, as well as uh, shielding, a mode of transportation. Yeah, a- yeah she's, she's pretty much instead of a healing factor, she seems to have, just have armor from the X Men's armor. Yeah, exactly. But but like the way she gets like she'll get knocked back. She'll use it as a landing pad. She Mm -hmm. needs to get away. She uses it to climb things. She's Um, falling at one point and it makes a a floor so that 
there's no immodesty as far as like landing on top of someone all uh, uh oh, fucking black widow and yeah no uh, sexual attention yeah yeah yeah, no, no, yeah. No, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> they are light on the sexual attention although i'd imagine landing on hard light is uh very similar to like how the fast and the furious franchises uses cars as like their yes, way of like yes. catching people like a safety net where like Michelle Rodriguez will get blown off of a fucking tank and Vin Diesel will say, don't worry, I got you. And then catch her while she's going a hundred miles an hour through the air on the hood of her. Yeah. His Dodge reality, Charger. You just got hit by a, another car. It's, it's not <laughs> <laughs> going a hundred miles an hour through the air to be blasted by a tank. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, you still need to see the. I, I, I should just say all of these movies at this point. You I, do I, need to see all of them, but like F nine, uh, the Fast Saga really does up the ante in terms of just like the absurdity where there's like a janky rope bridge between like two jungle islands, and Vin Diesel shoots it out and then gets the wheel of the tire caught in the rope bridge and uses the rope to swing a Dodge charger from one Island to the other, like through the air, like Tarzan style. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, it's absolutely absurd. And then there's also a thing where they like are going through a landmine field and they're like, don't worry if you drive a certain speed, like you'll go past the landmine. So it basically just like looks as cool as possible. Yeah. You just want some explosions going off as you drive. Yeah. 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 yeah it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. The, the believability in that franchise is absolutely ridiculous, but that's <laughs> like, that's its thing kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I saw a study with a, uh, and by study I mean a YouTube video of a uh, <laughs> of a mathematician who watched um, Fast Six, where the ending sequence is them going full speed on a airport runway after like a plane taking off, and they have to like catch it before the plane takes off, and like they all have like harpoon guns or something, and they have to like anchor it down with their muscle trucks to pull the plane back. But they like said, like if they're going this fast and if the plane's going this fast, this runway has to be like 750 miles long or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, And it was just funny to see it like broken down mathematically. Mathematically, Yeah. 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 That's the tragic sequence in which uh, a family favorite of mine, uh, Giselle, dies tragically in in Hans Arms played by a uh pre Wonder Woman Gal Gadot. Oh. Um yeah. She it's only a matter of time before they bring her back for that <laughs> franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, from what you've told me, yes, they're they're a bit like comic books that way. <laughs> they brought Han back twice. So, um but no, I I like the the use of Kamala, not Carmela, Jesus, uh, her her abilities in this episode. And I think they're cleverly fleshed out and utilized in an interesting way. Um, similar, not similar aesthetically to Ant-Man, but similar in the way that we saw shrinking powers done, you know, and, mm-hmm. and utilized in these fight sequences in really cool ways like this girl isn't just blasting things or like making her fist big and punching things. She's like, she's creating shields. She's catching herself. She's using them to project herself off of things. Yeah. 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 Coming to other it's, people's it's rescue. Than just 
uh, slapping people around and all that. So we yeah. do get some of that, which I want some of that. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, like for a long time, for a long time, pretty much between Avengers Age of Ultron and WandaVision, Scarlet Witch became I shoot red fireballs at people and fly. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and that was a bummer. Like they had <laughs> something interesting going with this character's superpower that had its own visual aesthetic, had its own, it made it so different from the way Vision shot lasers or you know, the way Iron Man yeah, shot yeah. lasers I mean, or the way yeah, Hawkeye. They would have been more creative at the end of WandaVision. That season finale would have been a bit more satisfying instead of just floating in a single spot while the conflict plays out, having them fly about and do other interesting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This um, episode also introduces stuff that we have been talking about in what we've kind of defined as the uh, spangly ancient jewelry portion of the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe, where mm-hmm. they're kind of going full tilt on 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 ancient jewelry being like the big MacGuffin of 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 uh, Phase Four so far. Um, where they're defining dimensions as opposed to multiverses in Mm -hmm. interesting ways. And, you know, we saw the introduction of the dark dimension first in Doctor Strange, but with very little definition to it. And then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness didn't like bring up the concept of dimensions much until that post credit scene with Clea. But before Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, we got Shang-Chi and the legends of the 10 rings with, um, I, Kung Lao. What was the name of it? Um, Ooh boy. What was the name of the Shang-Chi? Dimension oh, uh, Tao Lo. Yes, not yes. Kung Lao. Yeah. 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 It's that's mm-hmm. a Mortal Kombat character. That's a complete, that's other world. Yeah. I <laughs> thought, I thought, uh, our Kung world, Lao, our world, brother. No. Uh, yeah. I thought, no, Kung Lao is, uh, Liu Kang's cousin, but I thought Kung Lao was where Iron Fist was from. No. 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 That's, uh, Kang Lan, her. Oh, Kung my. I'm yes, so yes. sorry. I'm so yes, sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the way they pronounce it in the, the TV show. I don't know. That could be the proper pronunciation of the nonsense word, though. I, I really don't that know. That is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've said it once. I'll say it again. One of my favorite parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all these movies is getting to learn how to pronounce <laughs> the the make-believe words and the, and the gibberish that I've seen written on a piece of paper for my entire life. Like when I found out that Molnir was pronounced Molnir uh, as someone who like grew up with little to no Scandinavian folklore in his life, I was very excited because I had seen that word at least once a week for my entire life yeah, since, yeah. since I was like four years old. And I was like, Molnir, now I know how to say it. Um, and, and I had not known that pronunciation. Same with Shang-Chi, to be honest with you. You're like I was like Shang Chai. I know how to say that word. Well, yeah, yeah. Carmella Khan. <laughs> well, and Shang Chi. It's not even. I don't think it's a, a proper Chinese name at all. It's just a white guy. Yeah, yeah. I I know it's not. In fact, because there were Chinese actors that were making suggestions about how that should be translated to film. Absolutely. Uh, but 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 Shang Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings introduced uh, Tao Lo and this concept of this parallel dimension, essentially, um, mm-hmm. kind of existing on a different plane of existence, 
as our own, but very much existing as a dimension separate to ours. You know what I mean? Um, Black Panther with the ancestral plane, yada, yada, yada. And Miss Marvel episode four further kind of defines those things. We get the introduction of what they call like the newer dimension. And they kind of show how dimensions exist on top of ours, like in parallel with our yeah, own. Yeah, there's, there's a whole little map scene. They drew that I didn't fully understand the gadget that they <laughs> showed, but it, whatever. Uh, it was magic, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why you had to adjust it. <laughs> Focus. Uh, okay, yeah. It's like uh, tracking on a VHS player. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he had to take the tape out and blow on <laughs> it, and put it back in, clean it out with peroxide. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in like a Chinese restaurant in that sequence too. Um, in a kind of a, <laughs> amazing practical set, apparently. Oh yeah, we will get to the amazing practical set. Yeah, yeah. We will get to that. There's another one towards the end where, like, I was kind of I message you the second after i watched it and was like Mm -hmm. is this real because this looks like such a high production budget uh just to get this one sequence off with thousands of extras going on Mm -hmm. and like moving parts uh but we both kind of came to the conclusion that it's probably a composite of a bunch of things because we think we know about cgi because we watch a lot of corridor (laughs) (laughs) youtube (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, Seems right. Seems right. Uh, seems right. Seems like something that I would hear someone say. You know what I mean? So I just don't take think everything. they had that many people there. That that <laughs> less sense yeah. to me than yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've seen enough behind the scenes extras of those Lord of the Ring movies to know how this works. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I saw an amazing video about the behind the scenes of the original David Lynch Dune uh, recently. Where, yeah, there's like a landing uh, party, basically, like, you know, when they like land on Arrakis and in in Dune, Um, but they had built this gigantic model and they had it curve up so it looked like it had some depth. And they put all these miniature people that looked like they were like around the the ship, you know, but then they they cut a hole in the model. And they erected it like a hundred feet high above a football stadium, like a soccer stadium in Mexico city. And they had to line a set up behind it that looked and matched it in scale and had real people come out. Like the landing door was all practical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they used this optical trick, like um, forced perspective, yeah, yeah. but they had, they had to build like, basically like a 25 foot model with a bunch of dolls and then like rig it up on all this scaffolding. And then they rented out like a giant soccer stadium and built just the lander opening and closing of it. Mm-hmm. So let David Lynch make a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some interesting ideas. Yeah. But yeah. he could uh, make a better go at it. I guess. No. Uh, but CGI being, unless he was like diehard, uh, when he was practical in camera. (laughs) What characters would Lynch take on? What character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe would you either like to see David Lynch take on or you think he'd be interested in it? Oh, I have no idea. The first thing that came to mind was Moon Knight. uh, Sure. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of an easy answer. Because of the dreams and stuff like that? Yeah, well, just how weird he could get with it. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I would think um, maybe Cloak and Dagger. 
would be kind of fun. Oh yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or Silver Surfer, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I do you think you'll ever take another cricket token dagger? I Will hope get so. powers from drugs. That's the thing I like about Cloak and Dagger is the kind of like, um, you know, you're destroying me, but I need you relationship mm-hmm. of it. Um, that whole like being synonymous as like a metaphor for dependency uh, mm-hmm. physically and, and, and mentally and, and emotionally. Like, I think there's some really interesting themes in Cloak and Dagger. Um you know, I follow the girl who played them on uh, Instagram because she's very pretty and takes pictures in bikinis. But like, I never watched the show. Um, but, but I would like to see them take a, a crack at at Cloak and Dagger. Do you? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, here's the thing: I think they're making a Sleepwalker movie. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you've already told you that. Yeah, they're they're going to take a crack at everyone eventually. Uh, again, for some of them. I would like to see Lynch, if he worked for DC, make Shade the Changing Man. <laughs> like for a second, I was like, "Is Shade a uh, is Shade a uh, Marvel character?" And I was like, "No, he's a Starman character. It's like a James Robinson guy." But mm-hmm. but I would like to see like Lynch do like a weird Carnival Barker kind of Carney, make him yeah. real gross and like have basically have a lot of deformed redneck midgets in it because that's like oh, what yeah. David Lynch likes to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see Lost Highway this week in in 4K uh, wow. in theaters. Yeah, so be jealous of of the the 90s sad boy in in you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just be sad and be jealous that your theater plays any old movies at all. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, have we to drive have one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and by drive, I mean I have to like ask someone to drive me because I don't drive, but <laughs> I, ha- I I have to I have to travel for it like about an hour and and ten. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that makes mm-hmm. it a little bit better. You're putting in mm-hmm. work to go see. Yeah. The super old movie is probably gonna be boring, and you're not gonna like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll get to see Marilyn Manson having an orgy with Patricia Arquette in beautiful 4K on a 75 foot screen. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Hmm. And what's his name? Um, not Abe Vigoda. Oh my God! Not Robert Prosky. God, this guy was a fucking king. And uh, he he's like um, king of the the character actors. Um, and he plays like the mob boss in Lost Highway. And his name is Robert Loja. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And Robert Loja at one point in that movie goes up to Balthazar Getty working in a gas station. It was like, hey, kid, you like porno? And he like hands him a tape. He's like, come on, it gives you a boner. And then just like walks away. And I was like, I love this movie so fucking much. Um, Yeah. So at the end of the day, Robert Loja fucked. I believe he passed away recently. Um, But like the. The dimension thing. um, (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be like, like Feige said last week in, in interviews, how the phases end game is going, going to be, be coming together. Yes. Yeah. yeah like the we're coming to, are, yes, yes. And I can't see cause 
Kamala Khan like time travels at the end of this episode and I can't see her like accidentally creating a variant of herself and the TVA coming in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I have questions about that uh, only because in this episode they tease, well, in every episode of, there's been an Ant-Man reference that seems very uh, deliberate and it it feels like it's a little too late in the game to throw in Ant-Man into the, either the fifth episode that's in 1947 fucking uh, India slash Pakistan. But you could have a Kang variant that's just doing stuff in time, I guess, but... And I mean, we theorized that Gus the Goldfish in <laughs> Moon Knight was possibly a Kang variant based on his little tiny um, pyramids in his... Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and having one fin one day and then, <laughs> and another fin the other day, we had like a whole theory. Listen to our our Moon Knight episode five uh, podcast if you're interested in us talking mm-hmm. for 45 minutes about how Gus the Goldfish could possibly be a Kang variant. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, no, I just mentioned because it's like we know Kang showing up in the Ant Man movie, and I don't see them introducing Ant Man here. But yeah, that is. I never see them introducing Kang either, though. <laughs> but, but fucking Marvel, spot. Marvel Studios loves the Deuce X Ant Man of it all. Like <laughs> the Ant Man, <laughs> I just made that up, and it doesn't make any sense. But you, but Ant Man is, and his powers and the Pym Tech is the fucking shit that solves everything confusing that has to do with time travel for the entire first phase of the Marvel cinematic universe. It has brought characters back from the past. It has allowed characters to time travel. It has allowed a character to time travel and change like everything technically with the Steve Peggy shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ever think about what happened to the, poor gentleman who Peggy actually did marry and whatever happened to that sad sack of shit. Um, uh, in another universe, he's perfectly happy. In the universe is where they lost. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's best to ask these questions. Uh, yeah, I know. But, yeah. like, the, the, the nanoverse, is that what they call it? The quantum realm. Quantum realm. Yeah, yeah. the quantum realm. Um... Not the not where Rom the Space Knight lives, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, Hasbro uh, would never allow it now that Marvel was owned by Toy Biz. <laughs> um, I think it's I, funny that Marvel has the rights to the other Space Knights, just not Rom. Uh, it sucks because Rom is the best of them. <laughs> Rom's the best one. <laughs> they won't and be I doing Rom the Space Knight movie. I, I'm sorry. Hasbro well, they will never, yeah. Hasbro would never allow it. They want yeah. to use him for the battleship the shared G.I. universe. Yes, yes. Uh, Absolutely. Um, did we talk about battleship for like 20 minutes last week? We did. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, they use the quantum realm as I, I called it like a the do sex. It's a cure-all. And yeah. it totally makes sense as a cure-all because mm-hmm. – no one knows how quantum particle physics really works, you know, when you get yeah, smaller it, than, to it the point. It works a bit better than the other cure-all in the Marvel Universe, which is vibranium, where we kind of know how metal stuff works. Yeah. Or, yeah. or magic, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, magic is the other one. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, how did this happen? 
and my favorite thing to tell uh, Kira, fellow uh, co-founder of the podcast, magic. And I just like wave my fingers. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. don't think about it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's fucking magic shit. Like, dude, it doesn't make it doesn't have to make sense because they could just write away for it to make sense because it's fucking magic. They could just write away for it I to have, make sense. On a long enough timeline, they might explain it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. With one wink of a dialogue. Yet. <laughs> Yet, uh, but I'm sure there's countless random forums all about it, mm-hmm. and uh, probably a couple at the MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast Facebook group. But um, <laughs> I uh, I do think that this phase will be leading to some sort of escalation points of these dimensions, and mm-hmm. my hope is the negative zone. It has been what I've theorized since. Shang-Chi, I know we went into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a do bit. Do you still think it's a possibility with this particular show? I don't know if it's going to be explicitly mentioned in this mm-hmm. show, but I think at the end of the day, the space between all of these um, you know, dimensions is going to be some sort of negative space, and they're going to need somebody to help navigate this space. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be some sort of destructive force between this space. And with the multiversal incursions happening, there's going to be damage to this space between. And the only people who can solve that will, yeah. yeah, will be the Fantastic Four, and it will lead to something negative zone related and hopefully something annihilus related. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I asked for just like, if they did introduce the negative zone here, I would just be super bummed if they included annihilus. <laughs> Cause well, like, he's a bug monster that doesn't really have a lot to him, but he, I don't want him to just be thrown away. Like that. Well, like, a couple of <laughs> things you just mentioned. Right. He's a bug monster. He's a bug and monster. He, he regenerates. So it's not like he would stay dead or anything. It's, and he likes to annihilate. Yeah. Yeah. These and, are great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That pretty much sums it up. He has other bug monsters that are uh, at his back and tall, and he has a rod that controls things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and yeah. I believe they're called the Annihilation Swarm, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, wave, I think. The wave. The wave. Yes, Annihilation yes. Wave. Um, but one thing with uh, Gun doing Guardians Three and that being kind of sooner mm-hmm. than we know, and and pre the end of this phase is. Like we know Gun's not coming back. We know Batista's not coming back. We've heard a lot of this is the end of this Guardian this saga. Yeah. I think a lot of signs are pointing to the cancer verse here. Um oh, which would be a clever way to wrap up their story very well, have some bittersweet moments with the old cast, mm-hmm. reinvent the old cast for another generation kind of well, start a new guardians team we have blah, that blah, blah, other blah. we have that sylvester Stallone team doing stuff somewhere is that do you think we'll ever catch back up with them or is it just with star with starhawk uh, yeah 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 it's, you will never see the flares of gondor at your feet <laughs> that's pretty accurate uh you'll never hear the horde of gondor <laughs> i'm like Sign me up. That's what I like. I'm yeah. vigorously masturbating in the well, theater. Clerk I, is like, please, sir, you cannot do that. that team. I don't think that it's realistic. Other than that, Sylvester Stone's a big name. I like it. He's also old, so they got to get to this thing quick. 
<laughs> but he looks fucking great. Stallone looks great. It's so steroids. It's, uh... it's something in his system that um, is not natural. That's holding everything together. I, he's been open. Like, I know he talks about doing steroids. I'm going to take for Rambo. Uh, so for it's... for Rambo 4, he got mm-hmm. in a lot of trouble for oh, having to shoot. Oh. He had to shoot in different countries because the drugs that he was using weren't allowed in that country so they had to go to another country to allow him to finish shooting that is insane he's he's the best my friend stallone has been my guy i know like you're you're not like the biggest 80s action guy i'm a a dolph lundgren guy that's that's very fitting for you and and dolph is my number two like at the end of the day dolph is my number two um it used to be seagal until he turned out to be like a total piece of shit but like when i was a little kid it was like stallone seagal and then Dolph. See, Van Damme was my my favorite as a kid. As an sure. older man, it's clearly Dolph. He's <laughs> he's the winner. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's in the trash movies that I like, and it's, sure. Yeah. He, uh, but he's also in like Big Showdown in Little Tokyo, you know, which is like kind that of is a good one movie. of the trash movies that I. Like. <laughs> I I was gonna say that's one of his good movies. Like oh, yeah. I, I I like it. I don't know if I would say it's good. It has some very funny dialogue. Uh, it has some kick-ass kung fu from Brandon Lee. It does. It does. It's worth seeing. Uh, if somebody yeah. wants to be a tiebreaker on whether this movie is genuinely good or a fun bad one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this good or is this bad? It's like, why is Dolph Lundgren the best 80s action star? It's like, because he has spiky hair and wears mesh t-shirts. Like, duh. Like, you it, know what I, I mean? come in peace. It's... <laughs> Yeah, but but Stallone uh, is the um like you know like I'm a Vin Diesel guy right and mm-hmm. and I love Vin Diesel and I swear by Vin Diesel and my huge thesis statement on Vin Diesel at the end of the day is was Vin Diesel the jock who joined the drama club to meet girls or the drama kid who joined the football team to meet girls like mm-hmm. what where did he start and and he'll never say you know what I mean like his <laughs> Vin Diesel's story is like. He was like in some like breakdancing rap group and they were like yeah, vandalizing yeah. a public theater. And then the guy's like, listen, I'll let you get away with it if you try out for my play. And then he tried out and he aced it and he got the lead and he caught the theater <laughs> bug, uh, which I don't believe. Um, yeah. But Stallone's is like really similar too, where, um, you know, I, I don't know what he was like really as a kid. I know he had a hard upbringing. I, I don't know if he was the theater kid who started playing sports and got juiced or if he was the the juicer who joined the the, the theater department because he caught the theater bug i have no fucking clue but he is genuinely teetering on the line of bro and like capital a artist at like all times like stallone mm-hmm. has won academy awards he has been nominated for writing he has directed a lot of films he's very passionate about filmmaking like mm-hmm. He's a really weird guy for that, as opposed to just like big spiky hair and muscles guys. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, so I why why are we talking about Stallone? Oh, do I think <laughs> Stallone would stick it out in the MCU? Like, yeah, I I 
kind of do oh, okay. like, oh, like well, he's, just... he's a franchise guy like mm-hmm. i can't imagine expendables for costing a lot of money like he makes money he makes movies like on the cheap for cheap sometimes so i'm sure like the mcu would be like a good payday for him to like yeah. write and direct what? his copland too yeah, before yeah. he retires. <laughs> you know what i mean like but how would they get the red lizard surfing guy that practices magic on the team. How you can't lock that guy down on a long contract. It's <laughs> and is it that team is composed of like the guy from Smallville, right? Who played Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, uh, there's Bob Sapp, I think, is one of mm-hmm. the giant black guy. Uh mm-hmm. his name I can't think of. Miley Miley Cyrus. Cyrus, yes, uh, which is crazy. Obviously, well, I'm a fan of kind of uh, me too. She weird. seems kind of cool though, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why she's kind of a fuck up, and that makes it, yeah. And like, um, and you she's know, kind of she, voice that makes you give some rasp, raspy voice, and I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's kind uh, of trashy, so like, I'm like, I already said it. that it was an. <laughs> <laughs> But she also like hangs out with the flaming lips and is like very open about how she like takes acid and like records albums with like yeah. the flaming lips. Uh, she did like a uh, like before the Super Bowl this year, she had one of the opening slots. They did like mm-hmm. a pre Pepsi pre show concert and she covered uh, Head in a Hole. Like, you know what I mean? Like with yeah, like yeah, Trent yeah. Reznor, like <laughs> whatever. Like if you're going to be a pop star at least you're fucking weird about it you know what mm-hmm. i mean and and kind of trashy and like yeah has like an 80s uh uh house um like a mom mullet almost <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and and her dad was the uh was in david lynch's maholland drive to kind of like put it all full circle he oh, was yeah. uh yeah, he was uh, the pool pool guy fucking Justin Thoreau's wife in it, and okay, and, and he okay. punches Justin Thoreau in the face in it. It's pretty. He cool. also has a, a Marvel comic book, so we're staying on brand here. Billy Ray uh, does, huh? You have never seen it? I, I, I have not. No, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it was a Marvel music. I think it had like a special branding or whatnot. Uh, oh, uh, it's not in the six one six. Then no Billy Ray Cyrus no, exists. So. I don't think so. Well, he did uh, co-write that song with Little Nas X, who's uh, everyone clamors to play to fucking Miles Morales or something, right? Something like that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, to bring that full circle, that song, Old Town Road, won the best song for um, the Country Music Awards, right? Mm-hmm. And by law because they used a sample of a nine inch nail song from that ghost and four they're like public domain thing that you can use like uh the free reign copyright stuff on trent Reznor had a lead songwriting credit on it and trent Reznor like showed up to the country music awards with like a cowboy hat and spurs on and like went <laughs> up and accepted the award that's amazing huh? mm-hmm. also composed the music to lost highway which i'll be seeing later on this week so um but I think with this being the end of the road for the Guardians of the Galaxy, Cancerverse, kind of inevitable, Annihilation Wave being introduced, kind of inevitable, the Fantastic Four being the 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 end of the, the, this phase's Avengers, multidimensional travel is going to be a big thing. And this episode, we didn't learn much about it. But we did learn that it exists, and <laughs> what it looks like, what the uh, the geographical location uh, are on the map. 
from this other universe if we want to know what they're called, but yeah. And we it did kind of look like Taolo, like you know what I mean? Like uh I don't know. They you do know, like I, their magic maps, right? <laughs> they do like their magic maps, they do. And and like you said, there's been like all these hints of Ant Man, and I think Ant Man and that technology would be a good gateway mm-hmm. to and let's not forget that Kang is a variant of Reed Richards, part of the Fantastic Four as well. Um well, so Franklin, uh or Nathaniel. I can never remember. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, he's like his like great 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 yeah, grandson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's not a variant, he's a descendant of That's it. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. Or it claims uh, to be at the very least. Yeah, we still <laughs> we still don't know. Kang is very confusing and very convoluted, but Jonathan Majors rips, and I loved him dancing around hilariously at the end of Loki. You know, simpler times, Travis, simpler mm-hmm. times where we didn't just have parallel universes. We had variants <laughs> and all that, and we were trying to make sense of all that fucking bullshit, which was just like pulling at strings constantly. <laughs> um, one thing in this episode that I strangely... Um, felt uh kind of i've been there recently is is the airplane sequence um talking to the person next to you on an airplane always fucking weird it is always fucking weird um it's particularly strange for me because um i'm a large person um who travels by himself and uh i cry watching like anything on an airplane so most of the time it's like it's like you know you will be landing in like two two like yeah, wherever sure. wisconsin um crying on an airplane they might have think you have ulterior motives <laughs> exactly you just have exactly. a nervous breakdown uh, yeah yeah, no, I I just crying because I'm watching Furious Seven or something like that, and then I just start talking about Paul Walker to the person next to me. Um, but also particularly the sequence where the flight attendants were like, "Everyone, please sit down." Like whenever they say we're landing, people like get up mm-hmm. and like start bringing their shit down, and it's like, "Yo, we're all gonna get out of this thing." Like it's not like a train where like we all rush to the front to get out. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that shit drove me nuts. But I did like the change of scenery uh, where Kamala went to Pakistan to Karachi. Mm-hmm. And I thought, again, like, I I have some Pakistani friends. Um, I have never been to Pakistan. And from everything I've heard, again, like we were kind of joking before we went on air about how like the Moon Knight creators were like, we want to show a side of Egypt that we've never shown before. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of looked like Indiana Jones for a lot of it. You know, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked like, you know, those parts with Brandon Fraser's running around in the mummy. <laughs> yeah, um, and this episode did more of showing a different side of uh, Pakistan Karachi than I would have expected in a show. Uh, just it, it's going to sound awful, but I was thinking of something like Tatooine, just lots of tens uh, against each other's. And, and not very as, vibrant. Not yeah. a whole lot of hijabs uh, mm-hmm. or birthers or anything like that. It's just, uh, 
interesting very colorful city Uh, colorful city vibrant city um very urbanized very mm -hmm. concentrated in its urbanization as well um and I and I think they did a really good job, uh, not only introducing us to the the city of Karachi, but also to, again, something that this show has done really well is introduce us to Kamala Khan's supporting cast. With yes. um, you know, we do get the two cousins here, a boy and a girl, but also this grandmother character, the mm-hmm. nanny who is kind of a standout in this episode in terms of acting and her words of wisdom. I loved her very much from the moment that uh, Kamala and her mother who, who tagged along with her because she's grounded from yeah. holding the fucking fire alarm at her brother. Well, the them both to come, I guess, for uh, whatever reason. Huh? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is this interesting um, theme, I guess, going on here, which is, uh, you know, family history of reckoning with one's own past. And also, the the families the 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 women particularly in this family um escaping their past by traveling as well mm-hmm. where the the grandmother had to escape india to pakistan to karachi during the partition um the mother escaping her mother by leaving karachi to america and then kamala not really knowing her mother by going to Avengers John. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, but escaping by be by, by like escapist by like embracing America, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that whole, like I'm running away. I'm not running away from um, who I am and my culture, but I am like transplanting myself like, and my roots to where I am right now. I'm like Mm -hmm. grounding myself here, you know? Um, And I think this did a really good introduction or not so much an introduction, but kind of like furthering those themes that had been introduced previously in the first three episodes, particularly with like the women of this family, you know what I mean? And like it or not, the kind of stereotype of how Muslim women are treated in the America conscious is not great. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a tendency to think like, Oh, every single country in the Middle East makes women slaves and they can't show their faces and they get stoned to death for having thoughts and like all these terrible yeah, yeah. things. I mean, they touch on some of that in the show and just like there is a point in this episode where they have to eat outside because Kamala's wearing pants or wearing jeans and that's not allowed, I guess. Yeah, and they, they introduce those things very cleverly and they kind of make them more like um no this is just part of life and it's not necessarily like oppression as much as it is tradition you know what i mean like there's fancy restaurants like where i live in new york where like if you walk in with a hat you will not be allowed to eat there you will have to sit outside and they have a dress code yes yes Yes, dress codes exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um and a lot of these conform to the traditions that seem very foreign to a lot of the audience that's watching this. And I think they're doing a very good job of like, uh, not making it seem great, but normalizing it as just like a way of life and like not being that big. Yeah. Um, It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. And people aren't being stoned for having thoughts and things like that. Um, also you notice, uh, Karachi, um, they pass that sign and it says like Karachi, the city of lights. Mm -hmm. Um, what is oh, yeah. her, the, uh, nor? 
Nor. Yeah. 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 City of Nor, my friend. Because mm-hmm. uh, Nor in what's the name of that language? Urdu. I'm so sorry. Urdu is it's Urdu. It means for light. Yes. yes. It means light. Yeah. Um, also, Kamala's family's apparently fucking loaded over there. I they was have... going to mention that, that it made her less sympathetic when I saw this palatial estate and. Yeah. yeah, this Miami Vice drug dealer mansion that they live in. Yeah, yeah. There's a line about it could use a, a touch up, I guess, on the paint, but it's just. Yeah, considering yeah. what I'm currently paying. No. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. I masturbate myself to sleep in a pile of garbage every night. And this <laughs> fucking woman is complaining about a paint job on the outside of her house. Her and Kate Bishop are going to get along fine. It's splendidly, splendidly. Yeah splendidly maybe they'll give each other a little kiss too for all the fucking incels out there complaining about them they'll stop fucking complaining but <laughs> i wonder why kate bishop didn't get the hate that miss marvel's getting um she really yeah. didn't she no. the guy's name <laughs> yeah no shit uh it's so crazy i wonder why florence Pugh didn't get any hate you know what i mean yeah, um it's the strangest thing it's uh, so odd. I wonder what the common denominators are about these people and these theories. Um, yeah, at this fucking palatial fucking mansion that Kamala's grandmother lives in in uh, in in Pakistan in in Karachi. One, they have a dog named Magnum, which I was hoping was a uh, Magnum. PI. I was really hoping it was a Magnum PI reference. Stay tuned uh, for a spinoff podcast on Magnum PI. But uh, two, uh, she stumbles into this room. Uh, it's essentially like her grandmother's art room, right? Yes. And yes. and there's uh, she's painting memories of her past because photos of that time are are scarce. A lot of them got lost. And you know she's kind of like looking around in awe, one at how skilled of an artist her fucking grandmother is, but also um, about you know parts of her family history that she never seen before uh namely a photo of her great grandmother that mm-hmm. is like identical to the woman that both her and her grandmother saw in this vision so the nani explains to Carmela that she's a jinn like you know she's like like so you know who i am she's like yeah you're you're a jinn and she's like you are so chill about this it's freaking me out yeah yeah um it's it's so matter of fact about it. Yeah, it's not like a big deal. <laughs> it's yeah, just genetics. The her grandmother says so. It's, yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's kind of the um the uh, Gandalf moment in the hero's uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey here, where like the grandmother is the the magical wizard who sets her off on her journey, where she's like. You know, here's your story, and now it's up to you to go figure it out. You know what I mean? Now you go on your own adventure. I've had my mm-hmm. own adventures in the past. And she's like, I don't know why we both saw this vision, but we did. Those bangles made it to you for a reason. And it's up to you to find out this part of the story from here on out. So, like, the grandmother and her, they're, like, on each other's side. Yeah. and. It also introduces this interesting thing because her her mother has been kind of like a prude up until this point, but there's a lot of this like notion that she was kind of rebellious when she was a kid. Um, and maybe that is like this thing that like her mother escaped um, 
Karachi to kind of like start anew because she kind of like had enough of that. You know what I mean? She didn't want to like be the Yeah, yeah. She talked yeah. about uh, uh, I guess being bullied or being shunned by the community because of her mother's uh, fantasies. And I, I was kind of curious about that because so far we've only heard one thing that she has these fantastical beliefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, what else does she think? Is, is, it, is she a flat earther? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> She's a QAnon person. Yeah, I, I, she believes like I John. I feel bad for uh, the mother for being shunned, but if I find out if she's a flat earther, I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> what if like it is a flat Earth? Like we saw that map. I didn't yes, see. You, yeah, yeah, I didn't see any roundness to it. You're I correct. saw no curvature to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, geography. Uh, fucking. Yeah you know geometry but i i do know a flat i do know a flat surface when i see one and that was a flat ass surface um and it was like three-dimensional too so like mm-hmm. oh boy um she brought her sloth baby and the only reason normally in my introduction i change uh my my co-host and my fellow and then insert random thing but i have kept sloth baby from episode one of miss marvel because i've had so much fun saying baby Mm. in a microphone um it's one of my favorite words to over enunciate uh partially because of al pacino and and like heat and the devil's advocate um so yeah i've been calling you a sloth baby for the past like (laughs) four weeks um yeah this is when um they go to the restaurant, which we already kind of talked about. And yeah, she, yeah. she has to sit outside because she wore jeans. Uh, it is a sweaty scene. You could see the sweat <laughs> on their face. Well, um, on Kamala's at least because of the food apparently is. Yeah. Yes. And do you recall actually, because issue 12 of the first uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel series is when they went to, um, to Pakistan and that's kind of like what this episode is based on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was like a running bit is how like she couldn't handle the spicy food. <laughs> no, I don't remember that bit. Uh yeah. I can imagine, yeah, that uh, I've had Indian food, uh, and I assume it's similar here. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Yeah. I I uh got kind of sick i don't even know if i told you this um last week i had a i got home from a trip and and went to the office and something was like not right and god bless my coworker. uh shout out to cassandra for saying i spend a lot of time with you and i've never seen you looking like this and i see you get stomach aches all the time and i was like yeah i think i should leave and go to the doctor and they're like good idea <laughs> Um, and I went to the doctor and I currently have a, a peptid ulcer. Um, sorry, wow. mom, if you're listening to this, I have not told you this yet because I didn't <laughs> want you to freak out. And I'm on like peptide pump inhibitors. It's like a whole fucking mess. Um, but I love fucking Indian food and Pakistani food. And like, there's a lot of good Indian and Pakistani food where I live in New York, dude. And, uh, it delivers and, um, it delivers on a literal and figurative level. Like it will come to my house, which is convenient that I don't drive. <laughs> and it's also fucking delicious. Yeah. Um, so there is no gauche or, or, or um, samosas or, or curry in my diet for the next couple of weeks until I restore the lining of my stomach. Um, and then I will begin to destroy it again with the delicious. Well, of course. Food. Of course. You got to yeah. test it. Uh, make sure it's fully healed. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, this is the second ulcer I've had, and I'm 36 years old. So <laughs> I like spicy food. Um, yeah. Do you think it's weird how afterwards her cousin just kind of like ditch her in the middle of the city? Yes. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that some of them, why I think that's weird is because of the stereotypes of a woman needing a uh, male relative to be with them in certain Muslim countries. Uh, being accompanied, uh, yes, for safety and for propriety. Uh, I'm thinking more just for safety reasons. I didn't even think yeah, about yeah. it from like you know the kind of uh sociological aspect of like the the kind of stereotype that you were talking about. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of a thing that is. I assume that there are levels to, uh religious observance like there are for christianity where some people are more strict about it uh, uh yeah yeah but and I'm, I'm sure in other more... episodes when she's on a bike with bruno that <laughs> sure yeah it crossed my mind during those dips too uh, but um the point of that was to get her alone so she could find her way to the train station so <laughs> she could do a little snooping of her own. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. They didn't um, want to go to the, the boring as train station. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's literally just a train station. But um, <laughs> Kamala gets to the train station. She sees like a do not trust bass. This is like going to be renovated for historic reasons. Blah, 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 blah. And so she comes up surveilled. with... Yes. Uh, and it is being surveilled. Um, so her clever way of making sure that nobody knows who it is, is to probably put her mask on in front of a camera. And then <laughs> <walk it through. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about the, the camera being there, but yes, yes. Her identity is going to be known. Yeah. This is where we see that, uh, Ant-Man, um, mural, which again, like there's been a lot of Ant-Man references on this show so far. And there's this like, you know, heroes come in the smallest sizes, like written in Urdu on the on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that would be the guy that would be popular in uh, other countries. <laughs> well, Paul Rudd is very charming and seemingly yeah. immortal. I guess it wouldn't be Captain America, probably. Yeah, wouldn't it be Captain America? Probably wouldn't it be Tony Stark, the guy who's like been involved the in a criminal, lot of yes, the yes. war criminal. Yeah, no, um, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Maybe the Hulk. He was chilling in India for a little while, right? Mm -hmm. That's where, that's where uh, ScarJo found him at the beginning of the. That's uh, true. The first true. Avengers. And and Banner was helping out uh, the the disenfranchised at that point in time, right? Mm -hmm. But um, did you notice the names on the mural at all? Was it Alfonso? Yeah, yeah, one of them was the other. As far as I could tell, may have been a reference to a civil uh, liberties attorney. Uh, which what kind of makes sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, an attorney that probably you know, just works on violations of people's civil liberties and surveillance stuff uh interesting <laughs> it's the only thing that came up that seemed remotely uh i assumed it was going to be an artist but i couldn't find any artist for that name so yeah uh, yeah that's yeah. why if i figured it would be alfonso or like steve Engelhart. you know what i mean yeah like, yeah who drew miss marvel. Yeah, marvel artist and then yes destroyer maybe yeah. interesting <laughs> interesting yeah i uh i don't know maybe don't know. maybe they'll make an appearance in she hulk attorney at law who ah. knows um, 
Yeah. So she is suddenly attacked by a man who's throwing knives at her uh, with a um, red scarf over their face who asked, um, how did you get that from Aisha? Are you one of the clandestine? This fight scene was cool. Um, it ends kind of with them on the same side, realizing like they're fighting for the same side. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. he thought that she had stolen this from her family. Uh, but this is a, it's kind of a character from Marvel yeah, comic. Yeah. This is a character she meets when she's in Farachi in the comics. And uh, I don't remember too much beyond uh, the look of the character. Uh, really the actor playing I know their name I don't know this character's real name uh, the character's real name is Kareem and, okay okay and he the goes by name, the-, the actor's name is Aramis Knight which sounds like a comic book character to me but yeah, that's a cool name it is, it is. that sounds like a an owl in uh, Guardians of Gahul the Artemis Owl yeah the costume's simple but that's pretty much what he looks like in the comics so Oh, simple but effective, though. He's a Pakistani vigilante with a red scarf who throws knives and does parkour, and he fucking rules. And when uh, Kamala Khan went to Karachi in the comics, uh, she met him. He helped her out while she was over there, take care Mm -hmm. of a couple things that were going on. And then later, when she got back to Jersey City, she got mad because she found out that he had become like a public exchange student. So he could kind of like follow her and like help her (laughs) out over in Jersey City for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think was living at the Khan family house at one point as part of his foreign exchange program. But so his name was the Red Guardian in the comic books. They kind of changed it a little bit uh, and they make like the Red Guardian into well, like uh, Red Guardian is. Uh, oh, uh, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah, about Red yeah, yeah. Red Guardian is fucking uh, Black Widow. <laughs> yes. That is Black yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Knight? Dagger? Red Dagger. Dagger. Red Dagger. <laughs> Red Dagger. Yeah. Um, so then they get encountered by the actual genies and they run away. Right. Yep. As you do when genies are attacking you. Yes. Yep. And they go into a Chinese restaurant and this is where the secret lair that Travis and I were talking about before pops up. This is an actual practical set that involved them like pulling a lever on a stove and the stove getting stuck back into the wall. It's a secret door that pushes back uh, the they didn't tell the actors either, so I guess when they were on set, when he pushes it back, he was expecting to it to go back about like ten feet and then walk through it and then have me go to a different location where the other's there. And it's just all connected. Yeah. And it, it looked awesome. It, it, yes, it yes, looked it does. awesome. And this is where we meet uh the rest of the red dagger and we find out that like the red dagger are this like vigilante organization kind of like the hand or something along those lines (laughs) kind of like marvel has or the 10 rings or something like that but they're the karachi version of this um and they have been like it's been a title of warriors passed down from generation to generation um to protect the earth dimension from the nor dimension or something like that right that i do think is what they said i uh i don't know 
And I mean, we've talked they about had it maps a lot. to track it, I guess. But they had maps to track it. And he's like, I want to know exactly, you, you know, she says, like, I want to know exactly what I am. And he says, well, I'll show you. And he stands up and he's like, so other dimensions exist. That's where these people come from. That's where your grandmother came from. Jin's like the way their gins aren't necessarily like the gin that you're thinking about. Like if, if Thor landed in the Himalayan mountains, he would be considered a gin. You know what I mean? Uh, they're just visitors from another plane of existence. And these planes of existence coexist, coexist with earth, you know, and what they want to do is have their dimension basically like take over earth so like everything that we found out that they had asked her to do last episode um was kind of like uh false yeah, information kind of break down a wall between dimensions and then the other dimension will spill over and and then it will be the plot of sort of the dark world it, yeah or yeah. ghostbusters or like any movie <laughs> any movie yeah. with like yeah. a big thing floating in the sky you know what i mean um do you think cameron knows about this uh no, no, I don't. Uh, he does now, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he knows his mom is up to no good. Yeah. Because we actually get, like, that quick flash over to the United States Department of Damage Control's Supermax prison, right? Where the abominations apparently being held, if we're, if she hopes to be, be believed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, And we see all of the clandestines, including... Cameron basically being transported by one My, single guard. Uh, I think there were two. There were two. But yes, there were four fucking prisoners in a supermax prison and only two guards. Mm-hmm. And they knew exactly where the door was and there was no one to stop them. <laughs> yes, yes. And the, the prisoners have superpowers, so it's not the brightest. <laughs> they have, well, they have superpowers and magic belts, apparently, too. Yeah. Abomination is in there just on the honor system, I think. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that I was thinking about. Like, you know the kind of stuff that you're up against here, and, like, you encounter beings from another dimension, and you give them two guys with Nerf guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very yeah, silly. It's, yeah, it's very silly, yeah. Like, less precautions were taken here than were taken in the movie Face Off, the John Woo movie Face Off, where Caster Troy had those, like, moon boot magnets. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? I, I've only seen it once. It was ages and ages ago. Travis, oh. you should rewatch Face Off, my friend. <laughs> it is. It's long, though. It's, like, three hours. Yeah. So I don't like John Travolta at all. Really? Yeah. He, I've seen a few things where it was a good movie, but I still like him. Uh. I've recommended uh, Blowout to you. Yeah, probably. I've watched it, and that is one that I actually thought was okay. decent. There you are. Okay, cool. He thank didn't you. ruin it. He didn't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, I was about to feel heartbroken because that's one of those movies that, like, much like Michael Mann's Miami Vice, um, Blowout's another one where, like, mm -hmm. if you know me for more than, like, 24 hours, I'll probably bring it up in casual <laughs> conversation and be like, by the way, have you ever seen Brian De Palma's Blowout? And if someone says no, I'll be like, how do you feel about stinky perverts? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but that's a great movie. Uh, and I like Travolta. And I like Face Off because it's um, 
it's kind of like his tipping point where like heat was Pacino's tipping point where like he just started yelling a lot for the rest of his career. Same thing with Nicolas Cage here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and he it's him doing a Nicolas Cage impression for the better part of the movie and it's just fucking bonkers. But there is a Supermax prison in it and to keep the prisoners in control, they have like magnet boots and all the floors <laughs> are metal. And I kept thinking like this prison should have had magnet boots or trackers on their prisoners right yeah yeah you would think you would think yeah 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 um, i guess the the makers of the show just don't watch quite as much locked up raw as i do <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah they haven't seen as many hell in the cell matches on pay-per-view as you have yeah apparently not apparently not either i mean either one of those would be more uh uh secure than <laughs> what they've got going on here. We haven't even talked about the Vince McMahon thing oh. with one another yet. Yeah, that's I'm not gonna even say surprising because it's really not it's uh, it's not surprising. It's yeah. so unsurprising. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, I know there was a scandal long, a long time ago, but it was before people cared about whether rich people were raping people but yeah we're the, the first female referee in their company but it kind of like feels it feels like something that like the wwe normally wouldn't care about <laughs> you know what i mean like this here's whole, the uh, thing he stepped down but he's still coming to work and he's showing up on tv more than ever it's scummy and uh, yeah 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 yeah, like they still got flair going too. You know what I mean? He's and, uh, about to have his final match, apparently. And I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people think he's going to die. <laughs> Just like, like physically, he's, like physically yeah, he's yeah. gonna have a heart attack in the middle of his match, and this will be the end of Ric Flair. It wouldn't be the first time something like that has happened, huh? If you have a penis large enough to swing it around like a helicopter to a flight attendant, you get a get out of jail free card for the rest of your life. Like if you can do that, have you, know you what been I mean? watching or have you watched the Dark Side of the Ring uh, series? I, I've watched the the plane ride to oh, Hell. Okay, episode. that's the one. That's the one mm-hmm. that you would need to see. Okay, you yep. Have full that, I have full context. That's why I'm saying, like, if you are just that well endowed to perform the acts that one Mr. Flair was able to do on that plane ride. I mean, I give him a pass, you know, I'd be sitting there like impressed, impressed, touche, touche. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mine would shrivel up like a turtle. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) um, what'd you think about the, um, the, the Karachi version of the OC where they, they go out and, uh, sing Dave Matthews band songs in, in Urdu by the bonfire. <laughs> okay. This scene was perfectly fine. Me too. I, I liked didn't it. didn't really, uh, it didn't inspire strong feelings uh, in me personally, but it wasn't really for me. It's, it's perfectly good. And it was about Kamala kind of getting in touch with her roots in Karachi and feeling at home a bit away from home. Uh, it made her feel like a normal person. It yes. made her feel like a normal teenager. It did everything that you just said, where she's getting in touch with her roots um, mm-hmm. of her country of origin. It also made, um, what's his name? Blah, 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 blah. Kareem feel yes. like a real person as well. Um, 
it allowed them to say the word sloth baby about four or five times, which I really mm-hmm. liked. Um, and I also found out that you can store hot foods in bags, which I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we get a cute scene between the mom and the grandmother too. And I don't want to harp on it too much because we kind of brought it up before, but the entire like huge theme of the show again, being lineage, family history, reckoning with the, you know, your family history and your past and, yeah. and what we've all done to escape that, but how we are still remaining grounded to it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things in all of our family past that we're not ashamed that, that we are ashamed of, but it's also like part of our family. So we each deal with it in a different way. And especially for these Muslim women and these Pakistani women, it feels like, you know, the grandmother was running from India, settled mm-hmm. down in Pakistan. Like she was running from something. The mother was running from Pakistan, settled down in America. Karmala is in America and she's obviously not content with it at this point in time. And she has this kind of like pent up, like I need to get out kind of feeling, which a lot of teenagers do. It's like normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she'll deal with it by becoming a superhero. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And and I like all this. And and again, I think like the grandmother is kind of like the MVP of the episode in a lot of ways too. I Um, I can see that. Yeah, I really empathized with her when the uh, family member said, "What's up with all these magazines and books and candy wrappers the everywhere?" Copy hoarding. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and like, while I I don't particularly hoard toffee, I do eat. Fuck, like, there's a couple empty bags of um, nerd uh, gummies around uh, that I'm <laughs> staring at, uh, and a lot of magazines and books. Well, it's kind of sad, toffee, and it. Uh... She's hoarding it because her daughter liked it when she was a kid, and she's just kind of uh, subliminally wanting her kid to come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it also brings up how the grandmother, one of the reasons why she left was because she was tired of hearing about her grandmother's like crazy theories and crazy stories. Mm -hmm. So like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree with Kamala Khan either, right? Yeah, yeah. Then we get a training. <laughs> then we get a training montage, Travis. I was about to say uh, a trope that I never get tired of, and I like <laughs> this one a lot better than um, the one with Bruno uh, because it felt more Karate Kid yeah, kung fu movie I to me. I barely remember the Bruno one. Uh, I remember the conversation before the training montage, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Iceman bits. I guess I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the I'll never let go, Jack, and me talking about Titanic for <laughs> 35 minutes of a yes. two and a half hour episode. Yeah. Um, when it wasn't even a reference to Titanic, it was a reference to Endgame, but still, it reminded me of Titanic. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what we do here. We, that's what we do here. That's we what make we do unfounded here. Unfounded comparisons. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what were we talking about before with the cancer verse? Like, David, that was ridiculous. Um, regardless. I liked having this like kind of like old wise again, like I don't know anything about I barely know anything about what I'm about to start talking about, but I know like absolutely nothing about Pakistani film or anything like that or Pakistani martial arts, if it even exists. I'm sure it does. But I do know like words like sensei (laughs) and master Mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of kung fu movies. So it felt like the like 
now young grasshopper you must harness your power into blah 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 and it was like just this old guy showing her how to use all of her cool fucking powers before being suddenly attacked by the clandestines and getting this kind of cool fucking one it was a foot chase that led to a bike chase that led to a car chase right um I've often said how Catherine Bigelow's Point Break is probably the greatest action movie ever made. One, because it's super hot and it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> the amount of, uh, you know, sweaty, um, amazing people, in the, including mm-hmm. your girl, Laura Petty. Right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm mostly talking about Swayze and Keanu. But <laughs> 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 but there is a sequence in... Um, in point break where it goes from hand to hand inside of a bank robbery to a car chase that ends up with a foot chase that ends up with a shootout outside of a gas station. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this has five, it's like a five act action sequence, right? Yes. Yes. Much like this action sequence did where it's hand to hand, right within the dojo Mm -hmm. and we get to see some really cool displays not only of kamala khan's powers and all the stuff that we were kind of talking about at the top of the episode with how unique they're using her abilities especially defensively i think that's all been really cool catching things blocking things shielding Mm -hmm. things bouncing off of things and running away is like a mode of transportation but it then it leads to like almost like an indiana jones like foot chase outside of this like secret kind of cool temple mm-hmm. um into the streets of karachi where it could have very quickly become like comedic i think like we're going to say the uh the uh, the moped kids in mobile pet it was <laughs> it's like a bad version of this for <laughs> This is good for TV. Huh? This was good for TV. And they're on these like slow speed bike vehicles and it all looked kind of cool mm-hmm. um, before dropping off and getting into actual vehicles and it becomes like a car chase. I thought all that worked really well. The little comedic bits, because like I like Kamala Khan as a character. I like this actress playing Kamala Khan. Yeah. So seeing her fumble, like how she fumbled during the fucking driver's egg course, like that was all fucking cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it inevitably ending in this kind of kung fu style showdown where the the sensei gets stabbed <laughs> yeah yeah he sacrifices himself to save them uh, mm-hmm. so they can get away uh yeah yeah there's also a fucking scene where um god i keep forgetting this guy's name i keep kareem, kareem. Yes. Kareem takes a stick of dynamite and throws it into a vat of <laughs> uh, hot yes. oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then the hot oil lands on the evil grandmother, which ruled. Yes, yes. Uh, I do want to mention the evil grandmother lady and her costume. Uh, because it looks like Miss Marvel's karate a costume that she's apparently not going to get. <laughs> Well, they do give her like some sort of fabric. Like, like yeah, vest. she gets a, a vest, but yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty nothing like the one in the comics. Now that it needs to be, uh, I do wonder what the rationale was there. I mean, it's just so they can see her face, or if they don't want to make her as one of the scary Muslims. By yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it sounds awful, yeah. and it is. Yeah. But I could see that argument where we need yeah. her to stay friendly and yeah uh, 
my big question was why didn't any of these Muslims use an IED to you know oh, like yeah, of course. yeah. Of course. yeah exactly or hijack an airplane on, on their way yeah. to Karachi you know what I mean uh-huh. like duh. um because that's what the internet comment sections are saying <laughs> um, they assured me that this is a thing yeah yeah um then they get cornered in a very cool set which is essentially like a fabric uh factory mm-hmm. right excellent place to choreograph fight sequence my friend with lots <laughs> of colorful objects flying about yes yes mm-hmm. and this show again like the the two main directors and the showrunners of this are disciples of michael bay they directed uh, bad boys for life which mm-hmm. is oddly the third bad boys movie and they didn't save that for bad boys 4 they should have introduced a third <laughs> bad boy in bad they boys should have made a third one just so they could use that title for the fourth one <laughs> they should have made a third one just so they could use that title for a fourth one and they it's should have introduced they should have put their it's a german type of thing just no 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 my pitch for bad boys 3 would be put a joe pesci type with the bad boys mm-hmm. like put kevin hart in that fucking movie like you know what i mean like i don't no, even see, like we had different types mine was the cabinet of dr caligari <laughs> Have you ever seen Vampire? Imagine Michael Bay like <laughs> Martin Lawrence would be a perfect fit for it. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin Lawrence with like big fingernails creeping yeah. around like cardboard sets with sculpt buildings, yes. With yes. with the shadows actually painted in black like on the yeah, set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. Michael Bay doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. And maybe he does, but like he's not smart enough to like realize how profound it is, but the introduction to will smith and martin lawrence in bad boys 2 it starts with a ku klux klan rally right yes and, i remember that bitch. i've seen this one once okay love this movie i highly recommend watching it about two or three dozen more times <laughs> and then we could talk about it That's all the description. Yes, yes. Oh. yes 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 as i mean you know me we talk once a week all about these things i've seen bad boys too quite 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 a number of times i love that movie um but there's some very profound imagery when in slow motion with a 360 degree swirly shot of will smith arguably the biggest movie star in the world at that time with martin lawrence arguably the second coming of eddie murphy to a lot of people biggest stand-up in the world unrobing the clan robes mm-hmm. to be two black police officers silhouetted by a burning cross behind them taking out the Ku Klux Klan. There's so much being said in that shot. Well, it's your wish fulfillment, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Made by a borderline sexist, uh, like white pig of a man who just like knows how to shoot commercials really well so like i don't know if he meant to do that but like it's there like like not only not only are they like black men taking out the clan in this beautifully lit perfect 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 choreographed beautiful shot they're cops doing it Mm -hmm. the cops are taking out the white guys the two black guys are the cops taking out the clan yeah i i don't know if michael bay got it but i did and i'm here for it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um so yeah the people who made uh this are descendants of michael bay and i kept noticing um you know the transformer movies say what you will about them they are really messy in terms of like 
what's oh, going on. Say about them. <laughs> yeah, well, but like so with their problem isn't geography. Their problem is like the subject, like mm-hmm. that that that's actually the subject of what's being shown. It's not necessarily the geography. He actually yeah, yeah. goes, yeah, and he like goes out of his way to like get geography like very very accurate. Like like we were yeah, talking yeah, about the corridor. I can make out what's grill. happening. I just can't make out who's doing it. <laughs> you can make out where it's happening. You just can't make yeah. out who's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are some CGI sequences in that. And I saw this on Corridor Crew where like a fucking transformer like flips over Megan Fox and tumbles Mm -hmm. and he took a giant object to like, you know, do the shadows of where it would be in post just so they would have the shadow just right and things like that. Like he does a very good job with geography. And one of his tricks with that, um, which, you know, you could say he probably learned from making commercials or music videos is having the camera break the um, 180 degree rule in filmmaking. Um, and I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't understand what the 180 degree rule is, um, essentially when when you're making a film and you have two subjects speaking to one another, or interacting with one, one, one object interacting with another object, um, you draw an invisible 180 degree line mm-hmm. across the set and you don't allow the camera to pass it and the only way you can do that is by having the camera physically move around that object and that allows the audience to not get disoriented in a conversation that's why a lot of times it's like shot reverse shot is right shoulder over one and then right shoulder over the other and that actually comes from the way our eyes are trained to be watching theater because we're watching something on a two-dimensional plane Mm-hmm. So we created this 180 degree uh, landscape by like what's in front of us. And the same rules apply in cinematography. Michael Bay is very smart and he breaks it fucking constantly by doing that signature camera, just swirling around you thing. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, now you've reoriented your audience to the geography and you can get your camera wherever the fuck you want. One thing I noticed when they went into this fucking fabric, back to the story. See, I'm back on track. Um, one thing I <laughs> one thing I noticed uh, when they went into this like fabric factory and they said it's a dead end is they had the camera whooshing around them. Um, so you saw, you know, basically the entire layout of this place, whether you knew it's it or not. Almost like an establishing shot, establishing how it's what the rules of this location are <laughs> exactly what's and, there and to interact with what's there to interact with where they are in relation to all of those things and then when the bad guy drops down from the top uh when cameron's aunt or mother drops down from the top you've already oriented yourself with this location and where these characters are in relation to wherever she just ended up um and like at the end of the day like is it like prestigious to do something like that? No. Is it kind of gaudy <laughs> and, and kind of gimmicky to do it? Like, absolutely. But is it like a truly effective thing? Like, yeah. And, and um, it's one of the things I like, you know, I don't like all Michael Bay movies, but I, I do admire him in like the weirdest fucking way, even though like he makes movies for like five-year-olds, you know what I mean? But like <laughs> the show's kind of for teenagers and like, it is. It is. it's like bing, bang, boom. Like Trying let's get, get a new audience. And, and it's working. hopefully the current audience won't scare them away immediately. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the issue that they're going to have probably. Mm-hmm. Huh? And then you have thirty-six-year-old men talking about how it looks like Bad Boys too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, um, so this fight sequence starts. Um, 
between Kamala, the red dagger and the grandmother. And right as the grandmother goes to like stab Kamala, she doesn't block it with the, with the hard light or whatever they call the nor she uses her, um, the, the bracelet itself. And she's instantly transported into what appears to be 1942 during the partition. She's back at the train station in the past, seemingly at the time where her grandmother was separated from um, her father and, and yeah. this, um, this trail of stars that we heard about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's definitely going to be tomorrow that makes this fucking trail of stars for her. Uh, okay. I, I just, maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I think you were thinking along the same lines where it's, we're in a time loop a little bit. Uh, we're in a time loop. So the thing that first came into my head was, okay, if Carmela Khan is actually time traveling at this point, we've learned from the rules that have been established in the previous Marvel Cinematic Universe property, Loki, mm -hmm. that she would be then creating a variant of the future timeline and this is going to screw up everything. And there's going to be variations of timelines and she's gone from the current existing six one six. But there is the idea of non paradoxical closed loop time travel. Um, I mentioned before how I'm going to do my best not to talk <laughs> too much about Christopher Nolan's best film. I would say his best film uh, interstellar. Um, but this is the big spoiler for a fucking 10 year old movie that made over a billion dollars. Um, that's the big twist in interstellar is that the, they travel through time and humans were the ones who created their escape and yeah, yeah. you know it, it was a closed loop by the end of it and and the main character is like seeing himself in both the past and the future and there was little setups in the beginning much like the trail of stars like the um the, his daughter was saying like i i keep seeing a ghost in this room every day and i don't know what mm -hmm. it is and it keeps telling me to do this and it keeps telling me to do that and he's like oh you know there's no such thing as ghosts blah 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 but then at the end of the movie, you find out that he has now traveled back in time. He is the person in the other end of the bookshelf. He is the ghost telling his daughter to do all of these things. She grows up to be the one to save humanity. And then he goes back into the future to meet his daughter on her deathbed after she has saved humanity and started anew. Um, closed loop, non-paradoxical time travel. It doesn't not make sense you know what i mean like if she was the one who saved her grandmother and it wasn't the great grandmother like they all thought you know mm -hmm. what i mean and the great grandmother was actually killed by the djinn or the great grandmother's still alive somewhere would be cool that would I be think, cool yeah uh, king's going to show up with his time pyramid and he's going to murder this poor kid and it's going to break the loop but it's he's going to <laughs> set up the uh the the fucking uh, purging devices that the TVA have. <laughs> that now, I, I, I don't... Interesting, I do want to see Canyon faces, and we're dealing with time travel nonsense here, so it kind of is his area. I don't necessarily want him here. <laughs> I don't want him in this series either, but... Again. I feel like the Jin are enough here, even though they've kind of made the grandmother villain one note, especially with like, her disowning her kid. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we didn't even bring that up. She like tells yeah, her kid, it's like fuck off. <laughs> yeah. You're just owning you. 
you chose against us or whatever. Uh. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the kid will come back and help save the day by the end of this thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they make her a little mustache twirly. You know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, but I am excited for them to explore the partition a little bit more. I hope they don't downplay the the inhumanity of it and the actual like nature of it because mm-hmm. um i don't want to say like the miss marvel tv show is like the pakistani equivalent of schindler's list like it's not bringing like this travesty to the you know what i mean like it's it's not yeah. the same but it is like it's something that like you and i Hopefully just learned significant. about yeah yeah holy going shit on this week and reading stories about it and stuff like that uh that sounds great. I will be curious to see how they handle it in a show that is aimed at a younger audience. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They have their, I don't know their hands full. And, uh, they, they have their hands full with it. Again, it's like it's this horrific thing that has been largely overlooked in Western culture that I think is kind of historically significant to bring to the forefront of things because mm-hmm. it's recent. It's like... Yeah, yeah modern history so i mean time will tell like i'm curious because we have sprinkled all the breadcrumbs that we possibly could at this point in terms of carmela khan's origin story like mm-hmm. we are ready for the reveal right we are ready yeah. to have the rug pulled out like episode five you got your hands full put it all together like the the, the table has been set let's have fucking cake <laughs> you know what i mean yeah does uh I know this is. I know the answer. This I don't know why I'm even going to ask. But does the time travel thing bother you with her powers? Since she's not a time traveler in the comics. No. Of no. course not. Yeah, it, it's time no. tra- It's kind of nonsense to begin with. And no, it's a magic bangle. Yeah, yeah, and I mean there are time. Uh, her powers are in the comics to have a, a time travel element to it, and that she's borrowing mass from future and past selves. A hundred percent. Yeah, even if she wasn't, Spider-Man gets crept in time all the time. All the time. But there were three <laughs> Spider-Men in one movie, dude. Yeah. 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 Doesn't matter. I have I yeah. have no problem. We are at the sparkly bangle ancient phase of the Marvel yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We it's I'm all in on this. We have mixed time travel with sparkly ancient jewelry. Mm-hmm. This is the most phase four thing. Phase four is phase forward so far in phase four. You know, I I am totally fine with it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, with that being said, do you want to say anything more about Miss Marvel episode four, Seeing Red, before we give our final thoughts and our reviews on the episode? Do you think it's named after the Minor Threat song? <laughs> do you think it's named after the Sublime featuring Gwen Stefani song? From that, from that. I probably don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be I, cool. I mean, I guess we'll know if it's the Minor Threat one if the next episode is titled Guilty of Being White. I, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely, but yeah. Highly unlikely. Although I would like a t-shirt with Kamala, Bruno, and all of them sitting on the front steps. Of that course, would be, of course. Uh, I would wear that. Yeah. Oh, one thing we did kind of forget was the inscription on the Bengal. They told us what it said this week. Uh, I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you're seeking is seeking you. I think uh, something along those lines. Mm, when the hunter becomes a hunted, just like Craven. I understand. <laughs> Indeed. Yep, no theories about that. Uh, no. 
I do like the line where is that important or something? And he's like, I mean, it was important to whoever wrote it. And she's like, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So other than talking about minor threats, sparkly bangles, seeing red, well, I mean, possibly. Else are we going to have an opportunity to talk about minor threats and one of their very good songs and then when they probably regret Oh, we will be back next week, my friend. I promise you that. Tell us how you really feel. Let's read this. So we here at the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast rate all of the episodes from one to six infinity stones one being the worst six being the best we do accept half stones we have been remembering what we've been reviewing (laughs) and rating the episodes from week to week which we hadn't been doing previously but travis episode four seeing red possibly a minor threat reference possibly a gwen stefani sublime reference of miss marvel what's a year one to six infinity stones now you said that we were remembering but i've had a very busy week and I uh, I don't remember what you rated last week. I'm gonna say eight. We're five. You gave five. five. Yeah, yeah. I uh, always think in terms of uh, one out of ten with movie rating. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do my letterbox one to five. It throws me yeah. off at the six too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we should have done one out of five Star Lords. It would have been easier, but <laughs> we made it difficult on ourselves. <laughs> uh yes, five. I liked this episode a little less than last week, but it's still pretty good and uh, i think the biggest thing is that uh, amon balani is kind of growing into the role a bit i'm um, getting more used to seeing her as this character and she's bringing the right energy to it so it's yeah very nice very nice yeah i i am right there with you i've been reading this a little bit higher than i had previous mcu installments mm-hmm. despite uh i think with the exception of hawkeye which was something that just kind of like and WandaVision, which were just things that like really catered to my test, uh, my taste, like so mm-hmm. hyper specifically. But I have been looking at this like a little bit outside of the normal box and thinking like, who is this made for? How is it being made? Is it doing its job of what it's trying to do? And this is another ultimate example of this show delivering on a level I kind of think is like on another tier in comparison to not only what it's trying to do and who is trying to do it for, but also what it's capable of saying to people of those ages. Um, like you are cool and can read them. And you're able to bring up things that are like thematically difficult mm. to children. Like you don't have to treat them like idiots, but you could still give them simple stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And the whole, uh, family lineage thing through the three generations in this episode, particularly of these women, particularly of these Muslim women, really, really like whether or not you got everything that you were supposed to from it, you still got some of it. And I think that is really important. So last week I gave it a five the week before I gave it a five the week before that I gave it a five. I'm still going to give this five out of six infinity stones. I think for what it's doing, is it a flawless execution? No. Does it have lockjaw? No, <laughs> but it is still pretty fucking kick-ass. And um, again, the, the the main actress is doing a wonderful job and they continue to develop her supporting cast in a way that I don't think any other series had since really like 
Kate Bishop and Black Widow. Like those yeah. are like my, you know what I mean? They, it's like, when's the last time like the supporting cast stuck out as much as they have in this show? Um, it feels like what they should have done with Spider-Man's supporting cast, but like, or tried to do at least, but it just wasn't, it didn't work as well for me as it has been doing on this show. With that being said, Travis, we don't have any Ezra Miller news this week, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's we, making it. He's probably busy. Yeah, he, he's been very busy at his farm probably. Uh. But we do have some news, so here we go. Travis, when I saw the news today, I thought of you instantly, and I thought about how happy it would make you. We, we, we finally got some merch leaks from the uh, Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever, and listeners, fellow Beyonders, uh, our dear co-host Travis, one of his favorite characters in all of Marvel, for as long as I've known him, has been... The King of Atlantis himself, Namor the Submariner. And we have gotten our first look here at Namor the Submariner. Travis, what do you think of our first look at Namor the Submariner in Black Panther Wakanda Forever? I'm kind of stoked on it. Like they managed to keep enough of the elements that I really needed. Like the silly uh the foot wings. And that was the big one that I expected him to be like, no, that's fucking stupid and drop it no one will notice or care and they would have been right it's like there's 10 of us or so that would have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. been extremely upset uh yeah uh, yeah yeah and them making it uh um more minor aztec uh like the civilization allows them to draw some from real life influences uh to make it more visually interesting i guess uh and separate it is- from our other aqua person. <laughs> yes, yes, our other king of Atlantis. Yes, yes. This uh, this gentleman has washboard abs, pectoral muscles out the wazoo, mm-hmm. sparkly bracelets on, green short shorts, skin tight with little wings coming off of his foot booties. Um, and this can get into his like royal garb that I sent you a picture of where it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> what like, you say when he's dress. on the clock? <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he's on his royal duties. I don't know if this is just concept art or if this is what we're really getting, hopefully. Uh, I don't know, but if this is any indication for anything remotely close, I am very, very happy with this. And I know we spoke a little bit before. We went on air about how they kind of have to not only separate um, this character from being African, but also kind of separate him from being Polynesian Mm -hmm. because of Aquaman and because of Black Panther. So the whole concept of of making him this, you know, another ancient, um, you know, uh, civilization with with the the, the Aztec. We don't see a ton of no, no. So it's no, and they have a a cool. uh, aesthetic design so it's yeah with also, a lot of green and a lot yeah. of turquoise <laughs> yeah. indeed indeed uh he's, and we also he's, got, got, hmm? he's got little vulcan ears too yeah yeah the only thing i don't the eyebrows i i've seen what those look like in live action so that's the other big yeah. significant part that you really can't do <laughs> do you like his uh juggalo hoops yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I'm fine with it. Uh, the the nose uh, piercing. I don't know if it's I was about a piercing or if it's a breathing apparatus. I know they showed us a look at Atuma, and he's got a breathing apparatus. It looks like, but it's not Atuma. Oh, oh, you're talking about yeah <laughs> the character Atuma. Yeah, would you say that's Namor's number one villain? Is Atuma Namor's uh, black? I feel Manta? like he has yeah, like it's the biggest one maybe. My favorite's Tiger Shark because the way he looks and oh yeah, like he's a guy that can pop up anywhere and the boy becomes funner. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Yeah, yeah, but Atuma's probably the best <laughs> one. Probably the the most natural rival, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, the the one thing about Atuma, um. That kind of freaks me out. I laugh every time I say it. That kind yeah. of freaks me out is, uh, you know, we're getting this underwater movie and Atuma just kind of looks like a member of the Navi from uh, Avatar. You're saying all blue people look alike to you, huh? I, I am. Yeah, I'm saying all blue people. I'm, I'm putting uh, Karen Gillan. If Karen Gillan was underwater, <laughs> she would she would look like this too. But he does have a, a lot of, like, bones. And I'm, like, yeah, into yeah, bones. Yeah, there's enough of the... The, the comic design like it's i know there's a section of the internet that wants to shit on one designer or over the other or just the second that something comes out but they're both fine for their mediums and i see enough of the same design elements with the, the giant uh uh fucking pointy bits the helmet yeah the yeah yeah he's got he's got a bone helmet on i was about to say the only thing that would make the nose ring cooler on fucking namor would be if it was made of bone that would be pretty cool <laughs> yeah no that's this makes the big news for this, me that's least. that's really the only news my friend like yeah it, other it, than it, like, there's a rumor that maybe the madam web movie isn't a madam web movie and it's a cover for some other thing that somebody's doing i don't know that they'd really be that cunning <laughs> <laughs> yeah like madam web sounds stupid enough for them to like actually yeah, do considering you know? I've, I've seen some of their other pitches and the movies they've actually unleashed on theaters i <laughs> i read you the description of the, the um, craven yeah. the craven script that apparently leaked and just we both kind of like had our jaws dropped at like how fucking stupid it is yeah um, but i like dakota johnson film, I, I like dakota johnson yeah. That is kind of the one of the things I think prompting this rumor is that they have all these it's a, a pretty decent cast and surely they wouldn't waste on a Madam Web movie. Uh, I mean, time will tell, my friend. Time yeah. will tell. Yeah. And but I mean, it, we're getting was, hmm? yeah, we're getting close to Wakanda Forever, and I'm really excited about that. Next week, we will probably either we do in two episodes or skip and miss Marvel so we can get to Thor love and thunder. So it's going to be a really exciting week because we finally get like an MCU proper film. Yeah. Uh, the first one since multiverse of madness, which actually wasn't too long ago. These things come out constantly <laughs> and it's overwhelming for Travis and I, but if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us at the MCU beyond infinity podcast, Facebook group, a wonderful place for fellow like-minded Marvelites, such as Travis Kira and myself to talk about any, and all things related to comic books, Marvel, DC, Avatar, William Freakin, David Lynch, fucking you name it. We're probably fucking rambling about it over there somewhere. So let the conversation continue. You can also email us at MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, my name is Sean. I'm Travis. 
and it is not a tumor. 